From the 32nd chapter of Genesis, Then Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until daybreak, and then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is our text. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friends in Christ, a television team one time was preparing a primetime special about Jerusalem's famous Wailing Wall, and each day as they taped, they saw the same elderly gentleman who would come to the wall and he would be there praying morning, noon, and night. And on their last day, they got curious and they asked him, What, sir, is it that you pray for so fervently? The old man thought for a moment and he said, I pray for health, I pray for happiness, I pray for peace in my land. And then with the all too common insensitivity that we've come to associate with the media, one of those making that film then asked the old man, but, but frankly, sir, you don't look very healthy. Are you happy? And the old man thought and he said, no, not really. And your homeland, it's in turmoil. Do you really believe that your prayers are even being heard? To tell you the truth, the old man replied, sometimes I feel like I'm simply talking to a wall. The old man's subtle sense of humor is overshadowed by the sad reality of what the old man was saying. He was indeed doing little but talking to a wall. Because sadly, the old man didn't have the faith in Jesus Christ, which is essential for prayers even to be lifted unto heaven, for us to be acceptable unto God that our prayers might be heard. Scripture makes it abundantly clear, as Isaiah says, of old your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. The old man had good intentions, and so often people look at those with good intentions and they say that must somehow justify what they say and their prayers must certainly be heard on the basis of their good intentions. He had good intentions. But no matter, dear friends, how good our intentions are, it doesn't make us acceptable unto God. It doesn't make our prayers acceptable unto Him no matter how good our intentions are, no matter how sincere our remorse or regret might be. Indeed, as the old adage goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's wisdom that comes to us, not as many think from England's 19th century literary giant, Dr. Samuel Johnson, but rather from a 12th century French monk named St. Bernard. St. Bernard, who wrote such great hymns as, O Jesus, King Most Wonderful, or O Sacred Head Now Wounded, St. Bernard, whom Luther often quotes, and of whom Luther speaks favorably, especially when he speaks of this comfort that St. Bernard spoke of, when he spoke especially about how comforted we can be as the children of God, how confident we can be as the children of God, that our prayers are heard because of Jesus Christ. And so this, Luther says, is the kind of joy and comfort that St. Bernard had in his heart so that he could say, how can I ever become sad? How can I be mournful? How can I be discouraged after all Christ's my flesh and my blood sits in heaven above, and I expect that this Christ will not be my enemy. 
Hell is full of good intentions and desires, St. Bernard said a thousand years ago. But the good saint also knew what it was and who it is that breaks through that barrier of sin between man and God and bears God to man and bears man also then unto God and lifts up our prayers indeed unto God in heaven. St. Bernard knew it by faith. Martin Luther knew it by faith. You know it by faith. You know what makes the difference and you know who makes the difference and that is none less than Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ is that alone which breaks down that barrier that separates man from God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me, our Lord said. Whatsoever, therefore, ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The prelude to all of our prayers then, be it the prayers of the saints of times past in the Old Testament days and the New Testament days and our day, the prayers of all ages must have a prelude. And the prelude that all prayers must have is that confident faith in our Lord Jesus Christ as the one who breaks that dividing wall between God and man. But I do have that faith in Christ by God's grace, someone might say, and yet sometimes when I pray, it seems that I am talking to a wall, despite that faith that I have. Sometimes we pray with great pain, and we pray, pray with, with anguish. We need an answer, and we are confident that we need that answer right now, but no answer comes, at least no answer that really satisfies us. Where is God when I need him, we consequently say. Where is he when... I really need him to be here. Does he really care? I feel so alone. And I feel so discouraged. You see, sometimes the biggest battle that we've got is simply the battle with our own flagging and sinful spirits. Often our struggle with the discouragement and the loneliness that we feel is the bigger battle than the struggle with the situation that we confront. Sometimes it's harder just to emotionally hang in there than it is to actually deal with the issue of the conflict. But look at Jacob. Look at Jacob in the Old Testament lesson for today. All alone, there he is, wrestling with the Lord. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And look at that unnamed woman that you heard of in today's gospel. Widowed, no one to serve as her advocate, all alone, not even a son who might serve as her advocate in court, which was so important in those days. But she kept on bringing, despite this lack of advocacy of others, she kept on bringing over and over again her case day after day to the local judge who, Scripture tells us, neither feared God nor had any concern at all for man. And she kept on coming to him day after day, and her persistence compelled him to act because, quote, this widow keeps bothering me. The judge says, I'll see that she gets justice so she won't wear me out with her continual coming. Will not God, Jesus says, bring about justice for his elect, for you, his chosen ones, the Father who loves you, when even this judge didn't love but still perform justice for this widow, won't God, who loves you, your father who loves you so much, hear you when you cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting you off? 
We learn from Jacob in the Old Testament lesson today. And we learn also from that woman in today's gospel lesson of persistence, of perseverance in prayer. Keep at it. Don't give up. God hears you. And whatever you do, remember how vulnerable you are when things don't seem to be going the way that you want them to go and when you're emotionally wrapped up in it and you're strung out and you're uptight because of it. You're vulnerable at times such as those. The world, with all of its philosophies, will come at you and say, God isn't listening, so find your help here. Find your help there. Don't trust in him. The world makes all kinds of promises that the world you know cannot keep, but the vulnerable will, in desperation, grab at them anyway. For the time will come, our epistle lesson says today, when men will not put up with such sound doctrine, but rather... To suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to say. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside unto myths. But you, he said, keep your heads in all situations. But you, keep your head in all situations. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. The old Latin father said it this way, teniamus confessionem. Persist, continue tenaciously in that, that faith that you've received and that confession that you make. Persevere. Not long ago, I watched a PBS series on George Washington. It shows us the importance of perseverance when General Washington wintered his troops at Valley Forge back in 1777. The attacking British soldiers turned out to be the least of the problems that Washington had. For one thing, the Continental Congress failed to act as it should have, it failed to give him the food and supplies that his army so badly needed. Food was available in large supply in other parts of the country, but transportation problems, the shaky value of the continental paper currency, the lack of total civilian support for the revolution kept the food from reaching Valley Forge as quickly as it should have. Of 11,000 American troops beginning that winter at Valley Forge, 2,500 of them, 2,500 of them died. More than 2,000 deserted or refused to enlist at the end of their expired term, and about half of the remaining 6,000 men lacked sufficient shoes or clothes to be able to go on to fight, and many of them died. And during that famous winter at Valley Forge, the real battle then of those patriots was the inner desire to quit, to go home, but they didn't. They persisted, they persevered, and they won a new world. Despite loneliness and fear and discouragement, Jacob persevered because he had confidence not in himself or in his own ability to persevere, but he had confidence in the promises of God to him, in the promise of God to bless him. And he sought that blessing fervently, and he was duly blessed. Despite injustices she suffered and the repeated rejections that she endured, the widow in the gospel for today had confidence in the justice of God. And she sought that justice where she was to seek it and she was vindicated. Despite the persecutions that he suffered and the spiritual complacency he daily encountered, the defections from the faith over which he wept, St. Paul, in our epistle lesson for today, kept his head in all those situations. He endured hardship. 
He did the work of an evangelist. He discharged his duties and his ministry. And he told the young pastor Timothy to do the same, to persevere. And what do you think that God is telling us through these examples of scripture that are set before us today? Isn't he saying to you the same thing? Through them, isn't he saying to you, persevere, persist in prayer, be confident in the promises of God. No matter that there are so many in our day who have itching ears, accumulating teachers who suit their own passions, be it the new aggressive atheism that's so obvious in our age or the Christless and the crossless gospel of success and happiness which suits the passions for the trite and the shallow form of Christianity where substantive truth is exchanged for entertaining style. Despite these things, you persevere, you pray confidently, you put on the full armor of God, St. Paul says, that you may be able to stand firm against these schemes of the devil and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray at all times, he says, in the Spirit, and be on alert with all perseverance. Dare even to wrestle with God, as Jacob did in prayer, saying, Lord, I won't let you go until I receive this promised blessing. That's not irreverent. That's trusting in the word of God. He invites you indeed to do so. It's what he expects you to do. Beggars all are we, Luther said. So beg, beg your Lord confidently. And during the day as we wrestle in prayer with him and late into the night as we wrestle with him in prayer, he's there. He's there wrestling with us. He's there punching out our stubborn resistance to his will. He's there knocking our pride flat. He's there grabbing our plans and shaking them up and landing blow after blow to all of our trite little fears and poking them one by one into the corner. And little by little, all of God's cushioned blows and his gentle taps, you know what they're doing all the time, they're reshaping us. They're remolding us so that our will finally does indeed conform to his will. And his will then becomes our soul's desire. We might feel a bit disjointed after the struggle's all over, even as undoubtedly Jacob did. We might feel tired and emotionally exhausted by it all, but we'll come out of it leaning, leaning on our Lord more confidently than ever before, because you see, we're not grappling with an enemy. We learn that from scripture, from faith. When we wrestle with God, we're not grappling with an enemy. We're not contending with a foe. We, like Jacob of old, are wrestling with the very one who, through his own wrestling for us, through his own struggle for us upon the cross of Calvary, in our stead has made us by faith the sons and the daughters who can appeal in prayer to a merciful Father. That's what Scripture says. And you that were enemies, he says, yet now Christ has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death on the cross in order to present you unto 
him holy and blameless and without fault. Christ wrestled with and he pinned your sins to the cross of Calvary that you might be qualified by grace to wrestle in prayer with God today and to experience his blessings even as Jacob did in his day. And so you persevere in prayer. You don't lose heart. Why? Because your Father is strengthening you through this holy and this sanctifying process in order that you might face yet another struggle, yet another day, before finally that day comes when all struggles are ended. Alfred Russell Wallace, a scientist many years ago, once observed a monarch butterfly and reminded me of this last night on television and saw this monarch butterfly, beautiful, in an ad. My wife reminded me of this couple back in our first parish who raised butterflies and reminded me of this Alfred or this, this Russell Wallace, the scientist who years ago took care of butterflies and observed a monarch butterfly trying to get out of its cocoon and he wrote this way about what he saw and he says, it struggled, it wrestled, it pushed and it pulled for a long time until finally its body emerged fully from the cocoon. The butterfly rested momentarily and then it fluttered its wings and flew away. And then he wondered, what would happen if I made it easier for this butterfly? And so he took a sharp knife and he made a thin slice into the side of the cocoon ever so carefully so that he might not harm or hurt in any way the wings of the butterfly. And then he waited. And within moments, the butterfly slipped out of its cocoon. He waited longer. But guess what? The butterfly didn't fly. It just crept around awkwardly, drooping its beautiful wings to the ground each day until finally it didn't fly but it died you see the struggle to get out of the cocoon was necessary for the butterfly to have the strength that it needed to fly blessings that god has for us are often born through struggle he has his reasons for it in grace his purposes for it in christ and every child here today is evidence of the fact that blessings come through struggle. Every child is evidence of that. Each of us is evidence of that. The blessing of our salvation was born through the struggle of the cross and our Lord Jesus Christ upon it. Proof positive that God is struggling not against us, but for us. And even now, God struggles with us as in his name, we struggle against all in this world that is against him. And so persist in prayer. Be confident in your faith in Christ. Know that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think and that everything therefore, as St. Paul says, must work together for good to those that love God and have been called according to his purpose. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.